Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the World of Allergy, a podcast produced by the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm your host, Dave Stukas. I'm a board-certified allergist and immunologist and serve as a social media medical editor for the Academy. Our podcast series will use different formats to interview thought leaders from the world of allergy and immunology. This podcast is not intended to provide any individual medical advice to our listeners. We do hope that our conversations provide evidence-based information. Any questions pertaining to one's own health should always be discussed with their personal physician. The Find an Allergist search engine on the Academy website is a useful tool to locate a listing of board-certified allergists in your area. Finally, use of this audio program is subject to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology Terms of Use Agreement, which you can find at www.aaai.org. Today's edition of our Conversations from the World of Allergy podcast series will focus on an update from the current Academy president, Dr. Giselle Mosnayem. Dr. Mosnayem practices allergy and immunology in the Division of Allergy and Immunology in the Department of Medicine at North Shore University Health System, and she serves as core program director for academic advancement at the North Shore Research Institute Outcomes Research Network and is a clinical associate professor of medicine at the University of Chicago Pritzker School of Medicine. Dr. Mosnayem has extensive research experience surrounding asthma disparities, and I'm sure that we'll soon learn how all of this relates to her various presidential initiatives. And with that, Dr. Mosnayem, thank you so much for taking time of your schedule, and welcome back to the show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is this is going to be great, and we're going to cover a lot of different ground, and uh, I, I know that our listeners can't wait to hear your perspective on a lot of these different topics that we're going to discuss. But before we get into some of the, these details, last time you joined us, we were in the early stages of the pandemic, and at that point on, in our conversation on the podcast, which is which listeners can find at episode 30 on the website, we discussed clinician wellness, burnout, and finding the right work-life balance. So at this point now, uh, over a year later, how would you rate your own efforts at achieving these challenging goals over the last year? Uh, I'm pressed to give you a straight answer on this one. Um, I've definitely prioritized my um, responsibility serving as the president of the academy taking care of my allergy and immunology patients and my COVID-19 study participants and my family. While I've not had much personal time, these activities are meaningful to me and bring me joy and they energize me in their own way. Oh, that's great. I love your use of the word prioritize. And I was thinking about this myself recently. I think that this whole experience we've gone through hopefully has helped all of us really go through a thoughtful process of just prioritizing what's important in our lives and, and what we value most and, and how best to spend our time. And, and as you near the end of your one-year term as president of the Academy, would you mind reflecting on what's been the most rewarding personal part of this experience for you thus far? Yes. Two aspects uh, stand out as most rewarding. Uh, first, I'm grateful to have had this opportunity to work with talented, passionate, and committed, committed leaders in allergy and immunology whom I may have never met otherwise. Hmm. So, for example, I get to do this podcast uh, with you today, mm -hmm. um, and I may not have gotten to do that otherwise. And another aspect as well is that I look at leadership as a personal journey uh, in which you take risks, you step outside of your comfort zone, you learn from your successes and failures, and you grow as an individual. And I want to continue this lifelong journey and also bring others along with me 
and uh, I would love to see them succeed as well. Oh, that's great. Well, along those lines of taking risks and, and failures and challenges, any thoughts on what's been the most challenging part of your term? And I'll let you, of course, say the COVID pandemic, that's a given for all of us, but any other aspects stick out for you? So um, definitely the COVID pandemic and um, kind of the way in which it has affected my term, um, I think is important. Uh, first, it was challenging to um, kind of develop my own leadership style and uh, work with the board uh, over Zoom, as opposed to being able to connect with people in person. And also, I was struggling with the priorities, you know, balancing how to support our patients and our healthcare professionals during the daily struggles of the pandemic, while at the same time, um, working toward achieving the presidential initiative. So it's been um, a lot of different approaches because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. well, um, yeah, a lot of uh, improvising and, and changing the way we've always sort of done things. And, you know, I, I was reflecting back on the last time we were all in person at an annual meeting, and it's going to be almost three years. And that's, you know, typically when leadership has their, their in-person handoff and uh, the current president hands things over to the president-elect. And we haven't been able to do that in person for quite some time. Now, you mentioned about your own personal journey towards, uh, towards leadership and things like that. To help our listeners better understand this, what this path looks like within the academy, would you be willing to summarize your own various levels of involvement throughout your career and also the process involved in becoming uh, the, uh, the president of the academy? Yes, um, I would be happy to share. And I'm gonna kind of take that question in two parts. Mm -hmm. I'll first talk about my journey and then um, I would love to take this opportunity to kind of walk people um, through the kind of five critical steps of uh, the nominations and uh, elections process. So uh, the first part of the question, my personal journey, I remember being so excited um, and energized after attending my first academy meeting. And my wonderful program director, Dr. Anita Jores, encouraged me to run for FIT chair. And lo and behold, I became FIT chair. Um, I went on to co-found the new Allergist Immunologist Assembly with Brian Smart and Len Carrier. And then from there, um, I kept volunteering. And I must have done a good enough job that they continued to um, offer me uh, further leadership opportunities. Um, I was elected chair of the HEDQ intersection and appointed to serve as the Quad AI uh, representative to the NHLBI National Asthma Education and Prevention Program Coordinating Committee. And then from there, um, I became involved in the Program Directors Assembly uh, when I was Program Director of the uh, Rush University Medical Center and uh, Cook County Hospital Allergy Immunology Training Program. And then I was elected president of the Illinois Society of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. And from there, the RSL constituency uh, nominating group uh, nominated me um, to run for the board of directors. So with that said, 
Um, I've been thinking a lot about this whole election process, and we really um, wanted to simplify it uh, for our membership. Um, there's a lot of questions about how all of this works. So there was a visual aid that uh, just came out recently uh, and is also available on the Quad AI website. And it talks about the five steps. So step one, the constituency nominating work group from the RSLs, the Program Directors Assembly, and the Intersection Coordinating Committee send out a general call for nominations to their constituency. Then um, also the nominating committee that is chaired by the immediate past president invites all fellows to nominate a fellow or self-nominate for an at-large director position. So this is very inclusive. You can nominate someone or you can self-nominate or you can be um, nominated through a constituency. Then the nominating committee offers guidance to be used by all constituencies in selecting and vetting possible candidates. So this is a very rigorous process. Um, they review conflicts of interest, CVs. Um, people have to write responses to questions such as, you know, what is your vision for the future of the academy? What are the issues facing the academy? Things like that. And after careful review, each of the constituency groups and the nominating committee each selects three names for a total of 12 candidates. And then in step four, the nominating committee narrows the field to three pairs of candidates. And one of these pairs has to be an RSL paired against another RSL. And then um, the other uh, four positions, the other two pairings are, are formed. Then the approved candidates are placed on the ballot for an at-large position. And then specifically for the position of secretary treasurer, each year the nominating committee recommends two candidates to the board, but these two candidates must be selected from the list of past at-large directors. And then the ballot is set out for the at-large and secretary treasurer positions um, to all the members and fellows in, in December. So this just recently came out. Um, excellent. Well, what happens after you complete your term? Is there some special club for past presidents where you all hang out, secret handshakes involved? Uh, <laughs> any insight into that? As far as I know, there is no secret handshake. Um, <laughs> What I do know is that I will transition to the role of immediate past president for one year. So I will continue to serve on the executive committee and the board of directors. And uh, not that David Kahn, our next president, needs it. He is more than capable. But I will be available to him for advice and counsel. And I will also lead the nominating committee that we just discussed. Okay, so that it, it's I think it's nice to to learn that of the ongoing involvement. So you spend all of this time uh, throughout your career and also of service to the academy. You volunteer for these different positions. You spend your time on the board of directors, and then you go through the leadership pathway. But then you're not just done, and and it's 
it's wonderful to hear how we have the leadership skills and, and knowledge and perspective of our past presidents who are still involved on with work on the executive committee and, and things like that. So uh, I think that it's a, it's a wonderful journey. And um, I, I love the visual aid. I just looked at this myself and it really does um, simplify things for all of our members to better understand sort of the path towards leadership through the academy. So uh, thanks for everybody who put that together as well. Well, I'd like to move and, and discuss your uh, very ambitious presidential initiative, which actually involved the creation of three task forces. Uh, but before we discuss each of these individually, can you update us regarding progress in the creation of these different groups? I know there's, you know, there's limited time. You get a one-year term, and uh, these things don't really start until you take over as president. So uh, are these established and already functioning, or are you still in the planning stages? Uh, I'm very excited that the Disparities, Culture of Leadership, and Community Practitioner Leadership Task Forces were established early on in my presidency and have been um, very actively uh, working since the get-go. Mm. And to ensure that the main goals of each of these have been addressed, we have formed three subgroups within each task force. Mm, okay. Um, well, let's start with the Disparities Task Force. Can you tell us what the specific aims or goals of this task force are? Yeah, so the Disparities Task Force is um, chaired by Dr. Carla Davis. And here we really want to identify, quantify, better understand the reasons for, and propose strategies to address disparities across three areas, leadership, fellows in training, and health outcomes. And I'll just go over each of these uh, three subgroups. Mm -hmm. So the leadership subgroup is developing and implementing recommendations for structural changes to the leadership selection process to encourage inclusive representation on the board, committees, and in the nominating process. The training subgroup is working to increase the number of trainees of underrepresented minority backgrounds entering allergy immunology fellowship programs in the next five years, we see a significant drop off from um, URM in medicine, PEDS, med PEDS into allergy immunology. And then the patient outcome subgroup is working to increase uh, cross-cultural competency and implicit bias training for allergy immunology uh, clinicians, and also to increase uh, research funding and research efforts uh, to address asthma disparities, uh, disparities in food allergy, drug allergy, and other conditions that we serve. Well, I think what you've outlined is fantastic and absolutely uh, very much needed across all these different areas. But help us better understand, is this designed to be completed by the end of your presidential term in a few months? Or is this really, you know, sort of planting the seeds so it can grow and evolve into the future? So while uh, this task force is making great strides, the Committee on the Underserved, chaired by Dr. Uh, Tamara Perry, will continue this work after my presidential term is completed. Well, I'd love to learn more about uh, number two of the task forces that you that you helped create as part of your presidential initiative. So can you tell us more about the culture of leadership task force and the aims associated with this group? Yes, um, Dr. Jim Lee and myself uh, co-chair this uh, task force. And uh, of note, Dr. Jim Lee is a past president of the academy 
and has served as my, a mentor to myself and so many other leaders in the academy. And the reason we formed this task force is that we don't get leadership training in medical school residency or during allergy immunology fellowship. So we felt that it was critical that we provide this um, as part of the academy. And what we're really trying to do here is in addition to having the mechanics of filling positions, we wanted to have a concurrent strategic and thoughtful process for equipping our future leaders with the tools for leadership success. And this uh, task force uh, has three subgroups as well. Um, the first subgroup is the leadership development area of need subgroup. And this is working to improve Quad-AI leadership processes and procedures. Uh, for example, Dr. Tanai Pangdi has spearheaded the creation of a new committee chair reference manual. So now when someone assumes a new leadership position in the academy, they can refer to this manual for a clear description of their roles and responsibilities and policies and procedures for executing their committee work. And the next uh, subgroup, the Leadership Summit subgroup, is putting together a leadership development program to be held in Chicago in September of 2022. And we already have uh, a course for emerging leaders and we have the mentorship program for mid-career leaders, whereas this leadership summit is really focused on our established leaders. Hmm. We're gonna focus on topics such as increasing self-awareness, building communication and conflict resolution skills. And then our last one is the metrics of success uh, subgroup. And they've been developing tools to measure the impact of the existing Quad AI leadership program. So for example, how many graduates of the leadership course or the mentorship program go on to have leadership roles within the academy? Well, that's really interesting. Uh, it sounds like a, a lot of great practical um, pieces being put into place through this specific task force. And for any of our listeners who are interested in learning more, I'll refer you to episode 48 of our podcast from June of 2021, uh, where we had a conversation surrounding the Leadership Institute, as well as some other aspects of developing leadership skills that you sort of touched upon here. But remind me again, did you state earlier that you were involved in the creation of the Leadership Institute or, or uh, refresh my memory on what your involvement's been in that specific initiative? Yes. Yeah. So I have been involved with the Leadership Institute from its beginning. Over the years, I've served as Leadership Institute uh, Steering Committee Co-Chair, Mentorship Program Director, and I've also been a speaker at the leadership course at our annual meeting. And um, this has been a, a passion of mine. Um, I'm very grateful to all of my mentors in the academy. And one of the challenges I found is that although I was able to find mentors, there was no clear and formal pathway for this. Mm. So the leadership course, the mentorship program, the summit is formalizing that process. So anyone that wants to become involved can access those resources and that support that they need. 
Oh, that's great. And as if those first two task forces have not kept you busy enough, your third task force is the Community Practitioner Leadership Task Force. So can you please uh, give us some perspective as to what the aims of this task force are and why this group was put together? Yeah, so this task force is chaired by Drs. Drew Murphy and Sharon Markovic, and it was created to increase Quad-AI leadership opportunities for community practitioners. So the first uh, subgroup conducted a survey of past board members to evaluate their satisfaction with current processes for election of secretary treasurer and at-large directors. The second subgroup conducted a survey of Academy RSL members to better understand community practitioner interest in and perception of leadership opportunities in the academy. And the final subgroup conducted a listening tour of RSL governors and also interest section leaders uh, to learn about um, best ways to engage community practitioners and expand their opportunities for leadership in the academy. Well, that's wonderful. And so to kind of tie it all together, and if I could ask you to dust off your crystal ball, when we won't hold you to this, of course, but if you could look five or 10 years into the future, what are some of like the tangible and sustainable changes that you hope these task forces will have accomplished? What, what kind of uh, idealistic goal do you have for the Academy moving forward based upon these? So I hope that the disparity task force is able to increase the number of uh, underrepresented minorities in leadership positions within the Academy and at their home institutions and practices. I hope that we are able to increase the number of URM in the allergenology uh, fellowship training programs and in the pipeline for our specialty. And I hope we're able to address uh, disparities in care and in health outcomes across allergic and immunological diseases. For the uh, Culture of Leadership Task Force, I hope that we are able to uh, engage, uh, support, retain um, emerging mid-career and established leaders and provide them with the skills that they need to succeed within the academy and also um, at the local level. And I also hope that we're able to really further engage um, community practitioners in leadership opportunities in the academy at the committee level at the board level and at the level of secretary treasurer and ultimately president mm. well if we're fortunate enough to still have the podcast going and if uh, i'm fortunate enough to be involved i'd love to have you back on for maybe episode 900 uh, <laughs> <laughs> to discuss all of these <laughs> Thank well, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's shift gears yet again. And I'd like to hear some perspective about something that just happened recently on December 1st, which was the 2021 uh, Quad AI Virtual Advocacy Day. Were you able to take part in this and meet with members of Congress? And if so, were there any hot topics or common themes that were discussed? Yes, I was able to take part in this first of its kind event in allergy and immunology. So Academy members met virtually with members of the U.S. House of Representatives and U.S. Senate to talk about three priority issues, impending cuts in Medicare reimbursement, mm. prior authorization reform, and truth in advertising related to scope of practice. 
We learned a lot about uh, current events in Congress. We updated our long-standing legislative champions, and we also uh, formed new relationships. And I'd like to thank all of the Academy members that participated. And if you would like assistance in contacting your local members of Congress on these important issues, uh, please email advocacy at quadai.org. Wonderful. Well, let's shift gears yet again, and I'd love to hear an update on the 2022 uh, annual meeting. Is this going to take place in person in Phoenix, be virtual, or are we going to have some sort of hybrid format? So I am very excited to report that um, as of today, we have over uh, 1,300 delegates registered for the meeting. Uh, over 1,200 are registered uh, in person and uh, the rest are registered virtually. So we are definitely going to have, um, you know, unless COVID throws us some unforeseen curveballs, uh, we are definitely planning to have an in-person meeting in Phoenix and uh, we will still have the, the hybrid option so people will be able to, to access the content uh, virtually um, if that is the preferred option for you. Mm. And what types of safety protocols are going to be put in place for those attendees who do travel to Phoenix in February? So we are constantly reviewing all health and safety factors affecting the 2022 annual meeting. Um, and we do feel that we can safely bring everyone together uh, with strong protocols in place. Uh, right now, um, these protocols include that all attendees are required to be fully vaccinated and will be asked to show proof of vaccination when they pick up the registration badge. Um, masks will be required at all times in meeting rooms and common areas and social distancing protocols of at least three feet will be honored. And uh, you can visit annualmeeting.aaaai.org to find out more information, and we'll be constantly um, monitoring the situation, updating the website, and sending out emails to, to delegates uh, as we move forward. Yeah, and I encourage our listeners to um, constantly look at the, the website, not constantly, but review the website for any uh, you know updates and things like that, as well as I'm sure email notifications for important changes. And in addition to that, we will hopefully have the program chair on to discuss specifics of the annual meeting as it approaches uh, in late February. But uh, until that time, are there any highlights or sneak peeks that you can offer to our listeners now? What are you looking forward to most? I am so excited for the 2022 meeting in Phoenix. Uh, the clinical theme for the meeting is difficult to control asthma. And the Friday presidential plenary is titled Digital Health and Remote Patient Monitoring for Patients with Difficult to Control Asthma. We also have some additional um, plenaries, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'll just share a few of them with you. Uh, preparing for the next pandemic from mechanisms to vaccines. Another one is anaphylaxis, novel mechanisms, and emerging therapeutic interventions. And this will describe novel discoveries in the field of mast cells, IgE, and anaphylaxis. Another highlight is an ounce of prevention, which will include 
presentations from world-renowned experts regarding prevention of food allergy and other allergic diseases. And another uh, treat is our Saturday keynote titled The Importance of Diversity in Academia and Team Performance. And it will be delivered by uh, Dr. Hannah Valentine, who recently returned to Stanford as professor of medicine after retiring last fall from her position as the inaugural uh, NIH Chief Officer for Scientific uh, Workforce Diversity. And she will present evidence underlying the value and impact of diversity, inclusion, equity, and justice in academia and in team performance. So I really hope that you will uh, join me and you can look at the online planner for um, more specific details on the times and dates of these different talks. Oh, I know we all look forward to seeing one another again and uh, renewing old friendships and seeing colleagues from uh, hopefully across the world by then, but we'll see how things pan out, I'm sure. Well, you mentioned that we already have, um, I think you said almost 1,300 uh, folks registered for the annual meeting. So where can listeners um, go to register and sign up if they're interested in joining us? Yes, registration is open for all delegates. And again, uh, you can go to annualmeeting.aaaai.org for more information. Excellent. Well, for our last few questions, I'd love to hear your perspective on a few topics that our listeners might appreciate learning more about, sort of uh, outside the box, if you will. Would you be up for that? Absolutely. All right, great. Well, you know, we've all struggled over the past couple of years, I can't believe I'm saying that, past two years of this pandemic, and many of us have found new priorities in our work-life balance. Uh, and some of us may not have been in, as engaged with the Academy as we were previously when we had in-person meetings and things like that. So what advice do you have for our members who are ready to re-engage with the Academy and get more involved? I would first like to say the door is always open. <laughs> you are always welcome. And uh, we understand that at different stages of your life, of your career, the work-life, the home-life balance um, may change. So um, maybe right out of fellowship, uh, you had other priorities, and maybe now you are more interested in becoming involved. Um, we are excited for you to become involved uh, to the degree that, that you want to. So if you're more interested in a smaller, well-defined project, uh, we can uh, help you with that. And if you're more interested in a more long-term commitment, such as becoming chair of a committee or perhaps uh, spearheading a workgroup report, we can help you with that as well. And uh, I would encourage you to uh, start by looking into the uh, Leadership Institute course. It's a half-day course at the annual meeting. And um, from there, you may also want to look into applying for the Leadership Institute Mentorship Program. Uh, that's a one-year program where you work on a well-defined project with a mentor and also um, with the support of a work group leader. So there's many ways to get involved and uh, we're happy to help you with that process. How do you see the future of medical education evolving? Do you think we're gonna resume full in-person meetings or, or perhaps continue to have some hybrid formats now that we have the technology and experience to do so? I see great value in in-person meetings. 
those personal connections, those mentorship conversations, and scientific discussions that occur at the poster sessions, um, over dinner, uh, in the hallways, those are invaluable. Uh, also, with that said, I, I do understand that for some individuals, for different circumstances, they do prefer the, the online format, and we will um, continue to, to offer that, that option as well. Mm -hmm. I, I'm always fascinated by how presidents of the United States leave behind handwritten messages to their successors as they leave office. And I'm sure that you and, and David Kahn, the current president-elect, have had numerous private conversations. But if you're willing to, to share some thoughts, what would such a letter from you say if you were to leave one behind for him on the proverbial desk? So first off, I would congratulate him. Um, I would reiterate my full support for his um, ambitious uh, presidential initiative and also let him know how much I appreciate his leadership style. I would also assure him that we have a very high functioning board. Um, we uh, definitely think independently and have uh, thoughtful conversations and um, are then able to come to consensus. And finally, I would emphasize that we have an outstanding uh, executive vice president in Dr. Tom Fleischer, uh, an outstanding executive director in Becky Brandt, and also um, EDI president uh, Kay Whalen, who are um, always there for you. So I think you are you are well poised uh, to assume the presidency. And then you can teach him the secret handshake after he's completed his year, correct? Once I once I learn the secret handshake. <laughs> uh, you've been such a great sport. Thank you so much. I have one more question for you. Uh, on a more personal note, do you have anything special planned for after your term has been completed? Uh, any special trips you've been wanting to take? And I know the pandemic has, has changed some of the dynamics of that, or any ways that you look forward to celebrating what you've achieved? Thank you. So I am excited that uh, directly after the annual meeting, uh, two of my closest friends, uh, Drs. Uh, Shirley Jew and Dorothy Chung and I are going to take a few days to just relax and go hiking in Arizona. So um, we'll we'll be in Phoenix for the for the meeting and then take a few days after that. So very excited and looking forward to that as well. Oh, that sounds that sounds lovely. And well, is it safe to assume that uh, electronics will not be involved as you're on your hikes and you'll be able to unplug for a little bit? I'm going to try my best. <laughs> Well, Dr. Mosai, it's always a pleasure to have you on our podcast, and congratulations on your successful term as president of the Academy this past year. Before we depart, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Yes, I encourage everyone to get involved. Um, I have found this to be such a rewarding um, journey. Um, I think that you receive so much more than you put into it. I, I can't say enough about how grateful I am to all of my mentors and to everyone that um, is so supportive. If um, I can be of assistance to, to anyone that wants to become more involved, 
uh, please do email me at president at aaaai.org. I am more than happy to help. I would love to see um, everyone succeed in their personal leadership journey. Well, thank you again. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please visit www.aaaai.org for show notes and any pertinent links from today's conversation. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you can receive new episodes in the future. Thank you again for listening.